During the coronavirus pandemic, many businesses had to close. Some had good relationships with their bank and their accountant, but others scrambled to meet deadlines. We take a look back and we look forward with local banker Jill Castilla. That's ahead on today's podcast. From the Oklahoma, I'm Dave Morris. It's Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. We begin with the latest coronavirus numbers in Oklahoma. 43 new cases, 5 new deaths. Oklahoma's number of positive COVID-19 cases now stands at 5,532, according to the Oklahoma State Department of Health. The impact of the virus has left 299 Oklahomans dead. A severe health impact. But a serious economic impact has been left as well. We have reporting today on Oklahoma.com from our Randy Ellis about a large chunk of households missing rent or mortgage payments. And our Bill Crum telling us Oklahoma City budget managers expecting general fund revenues dropping 5.6% in the upcoming fiscal year. I recently spoke with a banker right in the middle of trying to help out people and businesses who needed financial assistance over the past few weeks. Jill Castilla is president and CEO of Citizens Bank of Edmond. Those who follow Castilla on Twitter know that she can quickly take a conversation into the weeds. She knows the ins and outs of finances. In fact, her tweets sparked the attention of a certain Shark Tank billionaire, Mark Cuban. That story is part of my conversation with Jill Castilla, covering a range of topics. But first, a word from the Oklahomans' Teresa Hicks. Hi, I'm T. Hicks, VP of Sales and Marketing for the Oklahoman. I wouldn't get much pushback by saying... An unexpected virus placed all of us in unexpected situations that we simply weren't ready for. This pandemic has caused all of us to reinvent the way we do business and reimagine our dreams. However, as citizens of this great nation and this community, it is our responsibility to rebuild. So if support is important to you, please know it is mission critical to the Oklahoman. If your doors are reopening, please give us the honor of crafting a message that will influence commerce by getting shoppers back into your doors, patrons into your restaurants, and Oklahomans back to business. Call us today. Let's rebuild Oklahoma together. Chatting now with Jill Castilla. Of course, she's the president and CEO of Citizens Bank in Edmond. Jill, it's been a while since we chatted. It's great to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. You bet. We appreciate your time. You've been right at the forefront of, I don't know, the past dozen weeks or so as this really hit the local economy. Let's start off with how's business? Our business right now is just focused on this, um, you know, creating as much stability we can for our small business community and then giving them the tools to endure this crisis so that we all can make it on to the other side together. How... How prepared were you guys for this? Because it seemed, and my perception is that you guys were kind of at the forefront. You were at the forefront of, here's the situation, here's what we do. So whenever the um, news, I was watching a news segment where um, they thought that the numbers were underrepresented from China um, as far as how much the virus had spread. And I immediately gathered our team together and just said, let's prepare for this comes to the United States. What do we need to be doing? And we're fortunate that we invest in a lot of technology a few years ago that allowed us to support remote work for our team. And so we moved within about five days of that, seeing that news um, 
segment and moved a good portion of our team offsite and then with a plan within two weeks to move 90% of our staff offsite. And by that point, it was, uh, we were aware that the, the virus had gone beyond uh, the borders of China and that were, it was likely going to be infiltrating the United States. So by the time we started hitting American soil, we um, already had most of our team working from home. And then at that point, what were you hearing from people? What were some of the needs? And so, uh, you know, it was more um, the anxiety than the in- initial kind of business or economic impact. Um, so first, it was really just letting our customers and community know that we were there for them. And we started proactively communicating. Um, we contacted every single one of our business borrowers um, to see if they were having any cash flow implications. And if they were, then we offered them the opportunity to have deferments. And this was before any regulator direction encouraging any kind of flexibility. So we really were doing this kind of out on our own. And then we sent a letter out to all of our community members, um, our team and our customer base um, on the consumer side saying that they needed to defer payments, that we were ready and willing to do that. And then we immediately posted on our website too that um, COVID relief efforts. So we just had basically an intake form that if there was concern that any of our customers had, um, either on the deposit or the lending side, um, or community members for that, for that um, from that standpoint too, um, that they could fill out this form and then we could um, research ways in which we could assist them. We also started being very liberal and covering overdrafts and waiving overdraft fees. We did that for um, all, of, um, all of April and all of um, May as well. So we had a couple rounds of, of relief for people, the PPP. From your perspective, how did that process go? So we were really fortunate and we were very assertive on the front end when the CARES Act was being developed to, um, to provide our ideas to the small business committees in the, in the House and the Senate, as well as to the different agencies and what our recommendations were. So we really felt like we got a little bit of a head start because we knew how what was being formulated. And so our team was raring to go. We, we put all of our resources, we only have 55 people on our team, and we just diverted all of them to that effort knowing uh, but now the businesses had transitioned from being anxious about what the impact to the economy was going to be to now having significant impacts to their revenue sources and wanting to sustain the employment of their team members or at least be able to endure through this time. And so we wanted, we knew that we were called to act. And, um, you know, the first, the first um, crisis that we're facing is a health crisis, but then secondary to that is the economic crisis. And, you know, we fully support our medical first responders, but we really did feel a calling to be the economic first responders of this crisis and that we need to be ready and willing. And our team, as soon as the money became available for the PVP, we were up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, saving our first file on a Sunday. And that team continued to work 24 hours, seven days a week, uh, for a period of three to four weeks so that we could get this money out and ensure that we were the conduit uh, and that we could effectively flow the funds from D.C. to the Oklahoma City metropolitan area. We also triaged our um, applicants to make sure that those that were most in need and most desperate had the, the first access to the funds. And so we wanted to make sure that if a business was going to close two days from now, that they had the ability to get some funding that could allow them to endure. And we just continued that process all through phase one. Phase two, there was a little bit less anxiety and the uh, funds running out so quickly. And so we were able to be a little um, more kind of first come, first serve with our 
with our process. We also limited to customers the first round of PPP, but the second round we opened it out to all of Oklahoma and we continue to process those, um, those applications because we know how important it is to get the, that liquidity out there. So that indicates perhaps there's not quite as much need. Are there still people out there who need, need money or, or for the most part are, are people covered? What are you, what are you thinking? So there is, there is a great amount of need, not PPP. Um, didn't, it provided a lot of relief, but there's a lot of businesses that don't qualify for it because it's payroll based. Um, and especially for the independent contractors and the sole proprietors, um, the SBA computes your eligibility based upon your net income. And so if you have a lot of depreciation and other expenses against your income source, then someone may not qualify for um for the PPP uh, salon owner, for instance, that has booth rentals or 1099 employees has very low salary expenses, but has high expenses related to rent, uh, product, inventory, and they may have very little, a limited amount that they're eligible for from a liquidity standpoint through PPP. So we've also then been highly engaged with the SBA with their um, economic injury disaster loan, their EIDL loan um, that doesn't go through a bank. We don't get any kind of economic benefit from the loan, but trying to direct um, the community to those types of resources as well as grant programs that are available both in our city and, and through different foundations so that we can get this liquidity out to these needy, needed um, small business customers, the small business customers and small businesses throughout their community, even if they're not customers. All right, so throughout this process and perhaps moving forward, in what ways have you had to revamp your business? I was, I was watching one of your uh, Twitter videos, and there's a number of things from curbside to delivery, but I won't put words in your mouth. What, what, are, the, what are the different ways that you have said, hey, here's how we could approach this? So with the coronavirus, um, you know, we wanted to make our number one priority was to maintain a healthy bank environment for our customers and our team. So that resulted in the closing the bank lobby and then restricting some of our hours so that we could have effective social distancing in our drive through. And um, we only have two people that can work in our drive through and maintain effective social distancing. So it causes there to be quite long lines in our drive through. So we knew that we needed to, um, there's a lot of anxiety out there. Um, we didn't, didn't want to prevent access to someone's financial assets because of this coronavirus. So we did a few things. Uh, first, we procured an interactive teller machine, which basically allows you, we have some of these in our bank lobbies already, but this is a drive-up one. So you could interact with a teller via video teleconference and conduct transactions without having to go through the drive-through. So that helped out uh, from one aspect. And um, we also have a um, technology that we deployed in Midtown, um, Oklahoma City, that we now have deployed in, in downtown Edmond so that businesses can access um, self-service banking services 24-7. And so that was really helpful. And the drive-through, we started, um, we were inspired by Chick-fil-A and did some recon missions through their drive-through and ended up um, having our team with tool belts and walkie-talkies so they could basically pre-order through the drive-through so that they could then expeditiously get folks through the drive-through and, and make those long lines go by faster. And then they took it to another level by now offering more of a formalized curbside service so that customers can drive into a spot or make an appointment online and uh, they drive into a spot they can call the number um, we can arrange to have different banking transactions conducted all from the convenience of someone's car and then if they need to have a cash um, 
transaction, then we're able to limit access to the lobby to just kind of one customer at a time. We've also deployed restaurant style buzzers so that if you do come to the bank and you're having to wait in a line, that we're not having to have you physically wait in the line, that you can go and walk around downtown Edmond, have your buzzer when it goes off, then you have your place secured so you can come and work inside the bank. So our, these are things too that I think will stick post-crisis that they allow us to manage flow of work uh, really selfishly on the bank side a lot better, but it's even been a better experience for our customers. They're not having to wait in line long periods of time. They have different avenues and how they'll access the bank. And um, we also worked with the Federal Reserve to get uh, Reg D um, eliminated for the purposes of the crisis. And Reg D limits the amount of transactions that you can do electronically between your checking and savings account. Um, we were able to get that um, effectively lobby to get that changed. And um, so our bank, before we even had that um, effectively done, we lifted the restrictions. And um, so that to ensure that there's transferability between um, safe, your, your savings account and your checking account uh, without having to come into the bank to do an in-person transaction. We also increase the limits of all our ATMs and your ATM card. Uh, we have always had free ATM usage, so you can use ATM anywhere to get cash. So we didn't want there to be concern that there would be inaccessibility to cash. And so a lot of these changes will continue to stick, will continue to uh, waive all those ATM fees. Um, we, for the last two months, have waived overdraft fees for our customers and been very liberal with how we've been processing overdrafts so we can we don't prevent a family from getting food on their table and making sure that we process those necessity items. But then like a curbside, um, the ITM, um, the ability to schedule an appointment at the bank, the um, enhancements that we've done with some of our digital banking services, all of those will be things that should benefit the customer and the, the community as we uh, come out of this crisis. Very good. You uh, took my next question right there of what can customers perhaps expect moving forward. Somewhere along the way, I'm not sure on our camera, there we go. Somewhere yeah. along the way in this process, just a couple more questions for you. You became BFFs with Mr. Mark Cuban. Uh, walk us through that whole scenario. By the way, how is Mr. Cuban? Uh, he's exceptional. I have really enjoyed being able to interact with him. So um, Mark Cuban tweeted out that he was looking for an FDIC insured bank to partner with to get stimulus money faster to Americans. He thought three weeks was too long. And so, um, you know, we use social media quite a bit. I do personally, and you have a community out there. Well, I didn't see the, the tweet specifically, but dozens of my friends did, and they I responded to Mr. Cuban that he needed to contact um, Jill Castillo, Citizens Bank of Edmond. So I responded. I gave my cell phone number, um, which I typically do on social media. All my customers have my cell phone number. Um, I didn't hear from him, but someone else from social media that I have engaged with quite a bit said that they had his email address and they shared it with me. And so I emailed him. He emailed back within 30 seconds. And then... Um, so that he would call. Um, he actually said he would call me on and it was like M-Z-Z-R-D-B. And so it looked like I had no idea what day he was going to call me on. I didn't know if it was today or tomorrow. And I actually sent an email back like, could you please clarify? Are you calling me today? And he's like, I'm calling you at three. And I'm like, but tomorrow or today? So I didn't know. But anyway, he ended up calling me at three, which is about 15 minutes after our email exchange. And um and it was like a shark tank pitch. I gave him my pitch as to what I thought uh, things should look like as far 
far as how we could help um, our customers and community get access to stimulus funds. He did not like that pitch and uh, destroyed it and had his alternate pitch. And Interesting. So, so there's some give and take there. It's, it was a seven-minute Shark Tank episode, basically. <laughs> Bank of Edmond. And um, then he I, I had some regulatory and compliance concerns with his thought. And then he said, well, let's let's break and let's reconvene. So we broke. And about an hour later, he gave me a call and he said, how about an overdraft program? And I kind of thought, well, I think that could work a lot more easily. And I said, I would need these type of parameters to make sure that we're not running afoul of any um, laws and that we're serving in the best interest of our customers. And he agreed. Um, then he asked me to come up with an email outlining it and when I could get it done by. And, and this is on this conversation started on Thursday and went into Friday. So Friday, I'm sending him an email and saying that we're, this is the outline. We can get this done within the next week. And he basically said, um, buy your basic, <laughs> you know, just basically said, um, and he did like, I think verbatim was um, any bank can do this soon. I need someone that can do it now. And so I immediately responded back and I said, how about if I can get it done by Tuesday? And he said, that sounds great. And so um, we announced it on Monday morning. He tweeted it out and we were ready to go on Monday. Um, you know, we only have this little small team here, but they all came together and um, I asked them whether we wanted to do something or not. Could we mitigate all the risk associated with it? And everyone knew because the financial risk for us was millions of dollars and our capital is only $30 million and the exposure was almost that, that we would potentially be exposed to. And our whole team said, this is what, this is what a bank like ours is supposed to do in times like this. Like we put ourselves on the line to make sure we're here for our customers. And so what ultimately resulted in was that customers could overdraw their account up to $900 um, as they were waiting for stimulus um, ACHs to arrive. And then now we're the stimulus checks out. We're we're cashing those for non-customers for no charge, um, and always do that for our customers as well. And so um, we just know that again, our role is that we're supposed to be, um, you know, able to to facilitate this the payment system as quickly as possible to get these funds that are desperately needed to our community. And well, that's well what done you and well done to your crew as well. Congrats. Well, and, and, you know, Mr. Cuban, um, having that inspiration and kind of that, that cattle prod to get us going, um, you know, that was, that really elevated our game and had us, yeah, I, I watched the movie Frozen 2 um, right before we entered this crisis. And the theme of that is to do the next right thing. And, and that's really has sustained us with every decision we've been making. And he helped really contribute and elevate that. My final question to you is, is looking forward what are you optimistic about? Well, I mean, we're so lucky to be in Oklahoma where um, we've endured so many crises that, um, and we've seen that Oklahoma standard over and over again, where we know that we're going to hear, be here for one another, that we're serving in one another's best interest, and that we always come through these challenges stronger and more resilient and more united as a community. And so I, I look forward on the other side of this to um, to to be that have that same um, that same overcoming spirit as what we Oklahomans are known for. Um, I'm also really optimistic about what this has really changed the DNA of our our little company forever um, by showing who we are in this time of crisis and putting our purpose ahead of profit. Um, and really putting the, the welfare of our team and community and our customers above everything else. 
um, you know, this is whenever you really forge who you are as a company. And so I'm grateful that we were able to take these right steps. I'm surrounded by a team that believes the same as I do. And on the other side of this, I think this, this company will be stronger and be able to contribute more to the community because of this challenge that we've been through. I've spoken with a couple small business owners uh, in recent weeks. They've underscored the importance of a good relationship with a banker and an accountant. And I guess in every situation, there are opportunities and then learning experiences as well. Yes. Yeah, so the, the relationship with a banker is so incredibly important. And if you don't have that transparency and, and easy accessibility, then you need to find someone else. And uh, for us, I mean, we want to be that resource, whether someone banks with us or not. I mean, you, um, the most underserved communities in our, in the Oklahoma city Metro and in the nation, um, they also have a, a perceived barrier of access to their bankers sometimes and to credit. And so it's incumbent upon as a banking community to make sure that we're busting through those barriers, that we're proactively reaching out to those that are most vulnerable in this time and to be not only being accessible to our customers, but have that same level of accessibility to our community in general. Good stuff. Always enjoy the conversation. She's Jill Castilla, the uh, president and CEO of Citizens Bank of Edmond. And uh, next time we see her, we'll probably be sitting in an armchair next to Mark Cuban. Jill, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I hope you, your family and crew all stay safe. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you so much. And you can watch the video version of that conversation with Jill Castilla on our website, oklahoman.com. It's part of our Rebuilding America series, looking at how we move forward from the economic impact of COVID-19. You can also subscribe to our digital products at oklahoman.com slash subscribe. That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. For The Oklahoman, I'm Dave Morris.